0: Hello humans! Hello humans! December 21, happy solstice. Uh, In the afternoon, heading back to um, uh, the coast here from inland, having to go and do chores and pick up stuff and shopping and all of that. Anyway, wanted to talk about my old um, Alta reports the um, asymmetric linguistic trend analysis that I came up with. So I had been thinking about this kind of stuff since I first tried to build, um, artificial intelligence, uh, systems in the, uh, late eighties. Right? So I, I got my first computer in 79. It was a K pro two had 2k Ram and I've been programming since, uh, 1980. And, uh, So I I programmed all through the 80s, got work at it, uh, like 83 onwards. I started um, uh, being employed using computers and um, really started thinking about the technology and its potential and all of this kind of stuff. Anyway, and so... um, had been fascinated by uh, space aliens and science fiction and all of that. And then there was all this stuff about time travel. Now, I never bought into the idea of time travel at all because I always thought that the future was uh, forming right out in front of our faces, so to speak, right? And so this little discussion here is about my um, ALTA reports, uh, the process, and how wide is the future. Uh, So if you go look at my video on BitChute... Uh, called um, you are delusional. Then it. Uh, then you'll see in there a description about how the future forms, and some um, uh, little notes about you know uh, the fact that it's not existent. So you can't. Uh, there is no such thing as time travel. Uh, there never will be because of the nature of time, and um, time does not exist. Uh, much out and he- ahead of us. So, uh, you know, Corey Good said that he was doing 20 and back, right? That he'd go out to the future and and come back, be regressed, and turn back to who the fuck he was before he went. Um, really stupid uh, storyline, but nonetheless. Uh, so there's there is no future existent, and in in. Um, In the 80s, I was programming, trying to make um, artificial intelligence uh, systems. I was using uh, Lisp and Prolog and even writing um, subroutines in assembly language and C uh, to support those languages. And um, it was just not going to happen. There was just not the computing power. And the nature of the computing power itself is such that we won't ever get a really a, um, a generalized artificial intelligence with the computing structures that we have now. Whoa, sorry about that. Anyway, <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, in the nineties, I was doing some work for, uh, state government, uh, in IT departments. And I was thinking about all of this kind of stuff. And I got bored with working for government. So I went back out on my own and um, was doing a consulting. And I had a couple of contracts and uh, they were with um, universities. And so in, um, in like 93, I was uh, on an airplane flying down to Mexico city uh, for a contract with La Unum. Uh, La Unum is the largest uh, university in the Americas. Uh, in North America, for sure. It it, it may be uh, in Central America. There may be a bigger one in um, South America, but I don't think so. I think La Unam is the is the biggest. There was like, man, there were like forty or fifty thousand students when I was there, and and staff and people and stuff. I mean, in a big place. Anyway, um, I was down there teaching uh, SQL Server. Uh, which is SQL, right? That's And we call it SQL. And it's a structured query language. And I was teaching people how to write very complex queries that wouldn't take weeks to come back. And so the larger the database, the longer the query time. The larger the database, uh, obviously, the more work to query it all on a brute force query. And uh, the more you're going to be using some form of um, uh, Bayesian math to try and simplify your query such that you uh, uh, avoid rows that just uh, you know right off won't uh, won't serve your needs that there's no potential uh, for your answer to be in any of these rows in that database because of the nature of that particular row, and you you design your queries to suit this so that your queries are efficient. Um, Originally, I had been hired on on a project by the university because they had what was known in the business as an operational failure. They had a very large database that they were working with and they would submit a query and then it was like, uh, take maybe three weeks to get an answer. Computer would just sit there and grind away for like three weeks going through this brute force attack on the database because of the way that they had structured their query. And because they'd done stupid things like, you know, uh, not putting in uh, unique IDs and, index, and turning on indices and all of this kind of thing. Anyway, uh, so um, i go going down in 93 to, to uh, teach a series of classes and to write some code for them. Um, and on the airplane ride down there, uh, I had this, this kind of like thought. I'd been reading these articles um, about uh, emotion in books, about emotion and how it worked and all this kind of stuff in humans and had come up with this epiphany. And then shortly thereafter, the airplane was struck twice by lightning. And so I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, that was that was a, just a weird thing, right? Uh, I was sitting right next, next to the wing. The wing gets struck by lightning. I get to see it all. And this is just after I'd had this just after I'd been thinking about and, like, um, working over this thought about emotions and so on. Anyway, so um, on the airplane ride down there to La Unum is when I credit myself with coming up with the idea for the Alta Reports. And the idea for the Alta Reports is that we're just going to scoop up every single bit of language we can find because humans leak out their perceptions of the future in their choice of words so your brain will choose one you might have no a hundred thousand words but in any given week depending on the nature of your job uh, maybe you only use five or six thousand words related to your your job and your general activity in any given week even though you know a hundred thousand words and there are times when you will deliberately, not use an easy word, you'll go hunting for a word that seems somehow more fitting, um, more precise to the emotion you're having at that moment, even if you're not really aware that that's what you're doing, you will do it. And I thought at that time you were doing it um, as a uh, for under pressure from universe to aid in the process of future discovery by leaking out. Your perceptions of the future that was my idea and so I I started working on web scrapers which you know basically just open up a web page and copy all the text that kind of thing right only I did this in a rather unique way and this is where the um, uh, the core of the Alta reports lived and that was in this thing that I called the emotion reduction engine and it was a um, it was built on the idea of, uh, or, or on an adaptation of of this, um, I think he was a sociology professor. His name's Pluczek, I think. Uh, he's a, of Polish extraction. And as I say, I think he's a sociologist. Uh, he had the, he had come up with this thing called um, uh, Pluczek's uh, Wheel of Emotions. And in which he relates all the human emotions and does it in a very nice organized fashion that was like instantly applicable to what I was trying to do. It didn't have what I needed in it. Okay. So it's lacking, um, three key areas, but the structure and how he had structured it allowed me to just use his basic template and, um, add a couple of layers. So it was like, I was trying to invent a game, so to speak, and then I see a chessboard, and I, aha! I see this this chessboard, and that's a nice framework for the um, for the game I want to invent. Only I want to make mine multi-dimensional, and so I add more boards to it, right? So I took uh, Plutchik's wheel and I altered some of the relationship of the emotions because I disagreed with how he had them linked, and then I went and I added a, a ring zero, in which I linked all the uh, emotions to physical body parts. Uh, Long and involved process, I can explain it to any computer guy that wants to know about it and wants to build one of these. But, so I added the ring zero to Pluczek's wheel. Then I added other values to the wheel that didn't exist. So uh, intensity of emotion, whether this emotion was a building tension or a release tension, which is derived from the uh, type of emotion and the uh, language um, at the time that you're sampling that language and, and other factors, right? So, uh, immediacy, so whether it's um, a near future, a medium distant future, or a far distant future, okay? So, I added these various uh, parameters, aspects, and attributes to the very to the structure that Pluchek had, And then started, uh, and and that built my base. Okay, so that was the core of my um, uh, emotional reduction engine. Then for each of the emotions, starting first in in English, but also uh, having a corresponding uh, Latin uh, uh, data set, I went ahead and bulked up all the words about the emotions. And so there are some emotions that have multiple words that describe them. And then there are other words that you might think that describe that emotion, but it's a variant. So uh, rage is its own emotion that is a variant off of anger, uh, which is a variant off of uh, angst, um, which is a variant off of anxious. Uh, and so on, right? So, so there are, they're related, but they are truly different. But some things like um, anxious and anxiety are so close that they are essentially describing the same set of hormonal-emotional um, complexes with those words. And they are, to a certain extent, um, interchangeable, but they do have different uh, intensity and immediacy values. Uh, or, or manifestation values. Anyway, so I go do this, and this took a long time. This took, was from, I, I got the idea in 93, and it took me until 97. The web the web scraper was real easy to write. There was no big deal there. Uh, it's just a straightforward text processor. But it took me several years to do all of the um, definitions, the locating the descriptors, sorting out language based on, Uh, The type of language, you know, grammar in terms of noun, verb, you know, adverb, (coughs) etc. And then also connecting these words to their role as um, descriptors for uh, emotions. And then also deciding which emotions are more likely to be prescient, etc., etc. A lot of parameters in this, you know, years worth of work. So I get the idea in 93, I started working on it in 93, was writing code through 94 95 and uh, 96 and 97 did a first test run like a full test run in 97 and so that was a It was an interesting period of time. Okay, so in 97 I, I did this first test run and it took me until 99 to get it basically all processed. And in the meantime, I had done another run, or maybe two, I think, to get, uh, depending on where we're talking about in 99, uh, to get enough data to do some more processing and so on. I didn't know if this was valuable. You know, I'd been having to work this whole time. I, I wasn't making any money off of this, but it did seem to show in the early tests some level of accurate prescience, coming through so much we didn't know though okay so so much I did not have a handle on and then I ended up having to buy servers there was hardware issues had to hire a guy to help me just manage all of the uh, the hardware stuff while I was doing the software builds and it and it evolved and then I eventually started selling reports and so on however in 97 in that first run, getting back to the idea of how wide is this developing future. I got data sets in 97 that had language that is describing what we're living through now. Okay, so if we looked at, at, um, so right now we have uh, stuff that is manifesting that you can see was, was basically fairly clearly described in ALTA reports that were written in 2003 all the way up through you know 2018 so from I think I actually did the first uh, report that I gave out to other people was in like uh, 2001 and uh, so uh, if we look at it that way uh, the future is approximately 30 years wide for this form of manifestation because I got the idea in 93. And so um, it took uh, it took me a number of years to, to write it. But even if I, I'm of the opinion that, that, that even if I'd had the software in 93, I still would be working with a future that was about 30 years wide to achieve this level of manifestation. And this is not the only... Uh, okay, and so it's, I'm also of the opinion that the future is probably something on the order of maybe a hundred years wide and is just only sort of solid and can be sensed 30 years out. And that's where we're at now. But you may be able to get some hints of some very, 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 very far out stuff that will be necessarily also uh, because it's very far out. It'll be very vague. That is to say, we won't have good descriptors for it. But for the 30 years, we can get increasingly good descriptors uh, on this. So we get a very um, good outline of the 30 years. And then as we approach and go through, uh, so we get an outline that could, you know, knowing what I know now, I would have, like, sketched out the next 30 years. And so the, the big thing with the ALTA reports was the timing. It's just a bitch to get any of the timing clues. And that took me years and years and years. And as we got closer to 2012, the timing clues started getting a little bit better, uh, a little bit more accurate, and a little easier to understand as to what was, was part of the clues and, and, and why it happened that way. Anyway, um, but as I say, probably it's three times that distance out into the future, so about a hundred years. Um, and it appears that we—I can go into some of the, the some of my other thinking about it, but it's speculation at that level. But I'm pretty sure that that I've indeed tapped a um, that I've got a 30-year hook into the future with this uh, Pluchek's. Uh, the adaptation of Pluchek's Emotional Wheel for my Emotional Reduction Engine. Uh, And then, as I say, you just apply it to a web scraper and um, uh, sort the results as you want. That's useless. Anyway, um, so... Uh, just watching a small helicopter go like hell. I mean, I've never seen one move that fast. Something must be up. Anyway, so if that's the case, and we're um, in this like 30 year band of uh, developing future, then perhaps we see in the actions of the mother wefers that they have some understanding of this because of the way that they are attempting to uh, shoehorn the future into a particular pattern. And I think they're only working out a certain number of years. And I think that, 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 um, that they are only working out a, a certain number of years, which is maybe 10 to 15, Uh, concentrating on, say, uh, 8 to 10, I think that they have some inkling of some of the stuff that I know about uh, in terms of uh, how the future forms and this kind of thing. And so it sort of reinforces um, my approach to this. Now, I'm not running uh, anywhere near the software that I used to. So all I'm getting now and all I'm attempting to run now are major descriptor identifiers. This is because of the uh, censorship that had clamped down since, let's say, 2006. I really started noticing it in 2006 in terms of the data sets coming back. There was something up, and I just couldn't quite figure out what it was. It took a number of years for it to crystallize into censorship, and then, bam, I started getting thrown off Twitter. So it's like, oh, crud. Okay, now I see what's going on. Um, now, I'm not running just on Twitter. I get all kinds of data sets when I was doing it. Uh, we would get 120 million uh, reads. A read would be a particular subset of a uh, group of text that may be found on a web page. And, and these uh, 120 million reads, I might end up throwing, throwing out 95% of them as just not being of any use to the processing. It was just that I had to scrape so much in order to get, uh, what we were able to get, uh, into those reports. And so, yes, there was indeed a lot of Twitter scraping, but also Facebook, um, uh, you know, Google, uh, you know, YouTube chats, all different kinds of stuff, uh, just to get the actual, um, hopeful, hoped, uh, uncensored and unfiltered, uh, data. Uh, you know, the text as people would just put it out there. And then we also have to note that people are continually self-censoring. And so we have a self-censoring component that aids our choice of language at any given moment. This self-censoring component, uh, you know, you're not going to use a lot of swear words in church, that kind of thing. Right. And so, uh, you know, you have a, a grosser component, but you also have these subtler components that, that, actually end up harmonizing with and being part of what I'm trying to capture, which is the selection of words that are prompted by prescient um, perception of the developing future. And it happens. You know, we are uh, time-sensitive beings. We have the pineal gland built in our brain to deal with time, uh, specifically a time-sensitive Uh, sensitive and focused uh, gland in the brain so you know it's not I'm not uh, really reaching when I say that you know humans are prescient and you'll you know I mean it's the whole psychic it's the whole vibration thing all of this kind of business right so uh, coming close to the end of this little segment of the journey and I'll have to break off here But I think that the future, uh, in terms of my understanding of it, is developing over a 30-year or 40-year period. So right now, in this now, there is also part of this now that won't be visible to us until we uh, get to that stage of what we call the future. So that's where you get into language problems, and it really helps to have... Uh, graphs and charts and be able to draw stuff so that we're very specific and precise about what we're talking about. But it's my uh, understanding now that we have, let's say, a 30-year bulge that is within a uh, 100-year squishiness. And that 100-year squishiness is the the future forming. And so there may be some elements that are going to Uh, be major driving forces a hundred years from now that we might be able to pick up now if we had uncensored, unfettered, um, unrestricted language. Which, like I say, we don't, you know, the mother wefers are clamping down and all of that kind of shit. But once all that goes away, theoretically, we could uh, restart the the ALTA report approach and and now that I know uh, or now that I have this advanced thinking about it, we might be able to get uh, some better handle on the timing and so on because we're actually manifesting now and so I can go back to those reports go back to that original data set and say okay, this descriptor uh, showed up here in July uh, or in this run on in uh, July in 1997 and so here we are, you know and it manifests 26 years out and it's quite clear that we've got the manifestation. It's clear that, that the manifestation took, you know, X number of months to appear into the solidity of manifestation. But that from the first point that it started manifesting until it's, it's solidly here, um, you know, censorship or Biden or whatever the fuck, uh, we have about a 27 year, uh, forewarning. Now I don't know that that's going to do us any good. Uh, you know the future is malleable; you can change it and stuff. But uh, we don't have any mechanisms. We we haven't even thought about the the mechanics of how this is going to work within time, and if we should even try and change shit. Uh, you know the mother wefers are always trying to change the future, and how's that worked out for anybody? So, uh, as I say, <laughs> I don't know that it was something that we we would want to do, but there is some possibility that um, we could uh, get a structure that would be developing over the course of, of some number of years here, uh, and it would show us uh, what's actually happening. OK, guys, I've got uh, to do stuff now. i got to work. So anyway, let me. All right, OK uh more of these later on time it's interesting stuff to think about